Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. He could have went anywhere in the world, but he chose Ohio this weekend. So um, he came just specifically to go to Iowa and Ohio uh, from the Philippines the three weeks he was here. So come on up, brother. We love you. Let's welcome, with honor, Paul Yadow. Jesus. There's uh, somewhere in the scripture in, in, in Judges that there's, there's a generation that came up after the elders who saw the mighty deeds of God in the days of Joshua. After that, a generation came who never knew God. That's a scary thing. When the stories of God, the wonders, the awe of God is never, no longer celebrated, it will never be communicated. It's no longer communicated to, a, to the next generation, and it's a sad picture to have that. Um, this morning, the, the first service I, I, I shared on encountering God, uh, and I highlighted Moses in Exodus 33 as a man who was given this favor, a place of favor to see his face. It's a face-to-face -face encounter. And in that story, it's actually God was saying to Moses, pitch a tent outside the camp. The camp is where everyone, all of the rest of Israel as a nation, they were staying there. But there's a place, it is, there, there's a, a name for that place, a tent of meeting or the, the tent of meeting. It's far from the camp. It's away from the camp. And I believe it is a picture of, if you want to see the face of God, go, go beyond the ordinary. Go beyond your routine. Are you with me? Yeah. I love the big gatherings. I love gatherings that... You know, you organize, but there's, there's just something to, even though there's no gathering, your heart is postured to say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to see your face. Nicole highlighted a while ago during the exhortation of Psalm, Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I desire, one thing that I seek after. So this, this, this time, I, I want to highlight David as a, as a person who sought the face of God and how his life affected the, the descendants or the generations after. And I'll just highlight one generation or one person who, when that person aligned his heart with David, things started to, life started to flow, revival flowed in the midst of darkness. So... Yeah, one thing, seek after that one thing. And for David, what is that one thing? The one thing is to, be, to behold his face, to inquire of his temple, meaning to see him and to hear his voice. 
And that's what Jesus said, I only do, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. In simpler terms, that's, that's the most normal Christian life. Amen? We live out of our encounters, our experience with God, our, what we see, what we hear, should shape the world within us and around us. We have to have encounters that will posture or shape our hearts into seeing what is or who God is and His realm of heaven happening here on earth. Every time we encounter him, we are postured, we are positioned to give a world or the, the world around us an encounter of his face. Amen. So it's important that when we gather here in this gathering, we're not just doing this because it's routine and or because we have grown in, uh, we grew up in a, a family of Christians. Now, we're doing this because we're pursuing the more of God. Amen. We're doing this because there is more. We're doing this because we know, we want to know Him. Uh, let me share to you a story. And it's an ongoing story in, in my church, Destiny. We have 20 plus churches in the Philippines and seven churches outside um, outside our country, and we have partnerships in different underground movements in Vietnam, Cambodia. We have partnerships in Thailand, ministry among among uh, tribal people, and all of this happened when I got my my personal encounter way back in 2006. I finally come to a revelation that God is my Father. Changed me forever. Up until that time, I've been pastoring for 16 years already. This is my 28th year of pastoring. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm, I feel young, still young. Look young. <laughs> but what kept me here is not, it's not about the acceptance or applause of man or, you know, the position or the power. What kept me in this place is the presence. Amen. Paul wrote in the Philippians. He said, I press him for this. I mean, he's got, he planted churches. He's got crazy miracles. But he said, all the gains of the past, I call, I call it nothing compared to this, that I may know him. I may know him. David lived that life. His life, and we know David, is the man after God's own heart. Right? So before, before I head, on to, head to a person in, in the scripture later that I will highlight, I'll be talking about David. Let me share to you a story in, in Destiny. It's an ongoing story of the power of an encounter. One, 
one guy, one, his name is Jeff. He used to be a transgender cross-dresser guy. He looked he look like a lady. I, I wish I could show you the picture. Four years ago, he got a powerful encounter of God. He was changed forever. Completely. When he was, when he shares his story, he would, would say, I'm, I'm like a prostitute. I mean, he's, that's part of his living. But you know, can God change a person who's just totally there in darkness? Amen. I'm here to testify that Jeff's life is now being multiplied to others. Hallelujah. His testimony, yeah, come on, give a hand to the Lord. Is being featured in different programs, even spoken to different mega churches. Our church is not that big compared to the mega churches around, but the story of Jeff is sweeping all across our nation. Because people would say that's impossible. I can tell you it's possible. An encounter changed him forever. It is the love of the father that changed Jeff forever. When he was young, he was raped. He was violated. It's just crazy growing up. He tried everything, drugs, everything. But one encounter of the love of God changed him forever. It changed his identity from Jeff, gay prostitute, to Jeff, son, beloved of the Father. Amen. The change is so radical that his friends couldn't believe it. Gay friends. But they couldn't resist him either. Yes, he's been inviting them. So like a couple of years, two years ago, in one of our meetings in Manila, I mean, Jeff brought this one group of gays. They look like ladies, <laughs> like all of them, like, wow. And Jeff was just, uh, they're my friends. So us in Destiny welcomed them. You know, we're, we're not kind of, woo, oh, God. No, no, no. We love them. Amen. One by one, they started weeping because it's first time for them to experience an embrace from a man like, like, a, like me and releasing the love of the Father. Hallelujah. There, those gays were crying. And I could testify to you, out of those group, seven came to know the Lord. One of them got married already. All, all of their families are now followers of Jesus. Yeah. Out of Jeff, last week, they, uh, two weeks ago, 
they baptized 30 individuals because one man had an encounter. And just the other night, he started another life group. He's not stopping. <laughs> the local government, you know, in the village, hired Jeff to be the secretary. And now that village is being transformed. The local government even gave the house church or the missional community of Jeff free access to use the facilities. They have their services there now. That place was used to be a place for drug addicts to sell, you know, drug exchange. Now, peace came. That village is transformed. The power of an encounter. What if what we bring to the world is not just sets of preachings. What if the world sees the face of God in us? What if what they hear is not how bad they are? What, what if they hear how loved they are by God? We started changing our emphasis in our movement from how sin, sinful the world is to God gave it all. And the way we see the world change, the way we see ourselves change. It's amazing we could stand here before the presence of God and enjoy intimacy. The Old Testament people die. They can't stand in the presence of God. Are you with me? We're blessed to have this opportunity to see God face to face. But don't you know that's the heartbeat of God? The first human encounter on this earth, the first experience of mankind when Adam first opened his eyes, was to behold the face of God, who is a father. I want to tell you this. We were born for this. We were born to see the face of God. We were born for intimacy. We were born not just for program worship. We were born to see his eyes, to feel his heart, to hear his voice. We were born for this. And whenever a person turns his heart to God, towards God, God is there because that's the core of his heart. Religion made it hard. Religion talks about what have you done? But God always talks about how much he loves us. Just imagine the first question of God when Adam and Eve fell. He never asked Adam, what have you done? No, he asked, where are you, Adam? 
It's a question of connection. Where are you? Something is missing. I'm walking here in the garden and you, you didn't show up. Are you with me? We had it all wrong. We, we thought God turned his face. No, God never turned his face. It was Adam and Eve who hid. They hid because guilt and shame came. And I tell you, in this broken world, what we see around is that sense of guilt and shame. And we have the voice of religion saying, you deserve it because you sinned. I don't know why I'm preaching this way. But I just felt like, what if we shift? Our emphasis from highlighting what's wrong to showing the world the glory. Showing the world that God never turned his face, but he's the God who asks questions, where are you? Because he desires encounters. He desires communion. He desires face to face. And that's why his name is Emmanuel, God with us. It's not God who is far. The Pharisees, that's how we see. That's how they see God. That's why they are far you sees. (laughs) They see from afar. Amen? Amen? Religion makes it that way. But God, God always wants face-to-face encounter. And just, whew, I don't know how, I, how can I shift to my message, but I'm, I feel like there's life here. I, I, I'll, I'll just stay here for a while. Because a lot of times we feel like, you know, I don't deserve. I cannot experience God. I cannot hear his voice. Let me tell you this. You were born. You were created to see the face of God, to hear his voice. And it took the life of Jesus for us to experience that in ordinary life, day to day. That's the norm. Jesus gave it all, and not, not just gave it all, to clear, cleanse us from our sins by his blood. You know, that's just one part. And a lot of our, the messages of, of, in the churches is, is you say, you're sinners, and you need, a, you need a Savior, and then that's it. He'll cleanse you from sin and work your way. Make sure you don't fall to sin. If not, you go to hell. Are you with me? Is that the, the, the fullness of the gospel? No, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father. The end point is that we will be one with the Father. Yeah. That's the target. And for that to happen, he died. The beloved son died for you and I so that the relationship he had with the father will be our relationship right now and in eternity with the father. This is beyond church, guys. This is beyond activities here. Let us walk as sons and daughters of God. Now when we when he asks, where are you? Every day we shout, I'm here, Dad. <laughs> Let's go to the work, to my work, to my office, to my world. I'm not alone. I'm walking.
walking with my father. And as I walk, people are being changed and transformed. People are getting delivered. People are finding hope because they could see the face of my father. David lived for this. If you read his life, that's the ache of David. It was not his throne. He never, he was not thinking of becoming a king. It was not his idea. It was God's idea. And even on his way to the throne, David never forced himself into it. It was God who brought him to the throne. Are you with me? His main thing is this, I will pursue his presence. That's why you will read Psalms. I love, I love David. He's my, he's my inspiration. My, our firstborn is named David. Uh, he, he, David writes Psalm 63. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in this dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, that was the time when King Saul was chasing after him. King Saul wants to kill him, but David woke up early in the morning, wrote a song. What's with David? (laughs) Some of us, we need some, you know, something to put us to sleep. But David, anything external will only Bring me deeper into his presence. If you can take all the pressures around you and use that to move you into the presence of God, I tell you, there is a giant killer inside of you that will be released. There is a king, there is a prince that will be released. You will be unstoppable because his love, because his love will change you forever. He never, no, David never blamed people. He never fought against people, against Saul. We know this story. Amen? That's David. He, he, Psalm 27 is a picture of when David set up the tabernacle. You know, God's, God's, God's desire is to dwell amongst men. Are you with me? Yeah. He never desired uh, a, a physical building to be his house. In fact, in Isaiah 66, praise God for this building, by the way. I pray I could transfer this to our, <laughs> our place in the Philippines. This is beautiful. God's chosen house in Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. He said, the heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. And he throws this question, can you build me a house like that? (laughs) Of course, no, we can't. He's too big. Are you with me? Gather all your engineers and architects and all those. We cannot build him a house. But he said in verse 2, but to this one I will look, meaning this is my chosen house. The one who trembles at my word. The one who is humble and of contrite of heart. 
In short, turn to the person next to you and say, you're God's chosen house. Your, your heart. Amen? Wow! We are God's carriers of His presence when our hearts are in alignment with Him. And so, that was David. And another point in, in David's life, when he, he became a king, one of the main things he did was to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom because in the days of Saul, Saul never stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Never. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. Right? And then because, because boils broke out and, you know, uh, uh, Plagues broke out. The Philistines sent the Ark of the Covenant somewhere. And it came to the house of Obed-Edom. That's the story. But Saul never went after the Ark of the Covenant. But not with David. He went after that Ark. The first time, it was a sad story. Uzzah died. There's Uzzah touch. The Ark of the Covenant. David wept. Somebody died. And then it went to the house of Obed-Edom. By the way, Obed-Edom, that family, they're not Levites. They're not worshipers. Just imagine the King David knocking on your door. Hi. Somebody died. Can we use your house for this Ark of the Covenant to stay and take care of this Ark? Somebody just died, by the way. <laughs> How do you respond to that? <laughs> but Obed-Edom opened his house, and we don't know what happened, but one of the things highlighted, just for three months, all, that, all of his house, everything prospered. Everything, everything in the house of Obed-Edom. To the point that David, something inside of David got awakened. It's a new day. Obedidum, they were not killed. They did not die. They prospered. Because God is looking for a house. And that house is hearts of men. Yes, yes. And Obedidum and his family aligned their hearts with the presence of God. And mind you, if you, do a, uh, if you do a study of Obed-Edom, I tell you, his sons and his descendants serve in the days of Solomon. <laughs> they were not ordinary people. All of them were raised up from the presence of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And finally, David came to his senses. I tell you, it took a family family of Obed-Edom to inspire, convict, remind David that what is the main priority? The presence. Finally, he read with the help of the Levites. Six, every six steps, they walk miles and miles every six face, uh, steps. He would kill a bull. It was bloody trail. 
And I tell you, David was dancing almost half naked. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not for kids. <laughs> half naked with just the linen ephod that the high priest used when they ministered to the Lord. Meaning, it's the picture of take away my robes, take away my crown. What will remain is a heart of worship. Yeah. It's all about the presence of God, not my power, not my throne, not that. It is all about the presence of God. And David danced all around, and finally, the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, was brought to the city of David. Amazing. So now, uh, for the sake of time, I know I can't, I, I can't go to the details of, of uh, the life of Hezekiah. We will move to the life of Hezekiah. If you do a study of, I've been doing studies of of the different kings that led after David and Solomon. And it's a good study, by the way. Because their victories, their breakthroughs, is always connected to how they treat the presence of God. So let's go to 2 Kings chapter 18. Are you still good? Yeah. So I'll be reading from verse 1 to, verse 8. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, uh, the, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3, it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then, it says there, According to all that his father David had done. Wow. The life of David became a plumb line for what God is looking for. In a man. Okay, let's continue. Verse 4 He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. That's sad. We know that story. That was supposed to be just a symbol, and people started worshiping that serpent. You know? Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord, God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah. Wow. Nor who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. Take note of this. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. Then he rebelled against the king of Assyria, did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Okay. Amazing story. That's just half of the story. By the way, this is a two-part message. I won't do the second part. And I, I'll just summarize 
this part. His dad is Ahaz. You know, Ahaz, he was one of the most wicked kings in Judah. Ahaz served the king of Assyria. The guy even copied the altar of the king of Assyria. So he started burning things to, to foreign gods. He started desecrating the temple. He closed the porch of Sabbath. He finally just closed the temple of God, closed the doors. He gave the, some of the silver and gold to the king, Assyria. This guy is wicked. He consulted spiritists. He even let all of his sons pass through the fire. A ceremonial ritual offering to Molech. So completely walk away from the Lord. So if you're talking about momentum of, of generation, Aaron, Matt, you have a dad here who's who for years built that momentum and he's got a dad as a, a pastor. And now you're riding in that blessing of spiritual blessing of that momentum, right? You're blessed. Amen? Imagine Hezekiah. So we know preachings like our ceiling will be your floor to the next generation. Him, he's got no ceiling to stand on. Practically, practically he was in the basement. He started negative, no, nothing, no spiritual guidance. He was, not, he was not fathered, no nothing. Are you with me? Yes. But something happened to him when he became a king. He did not go after his throne. He went after the presence of God. Oh, if you do a study, 2 Chronicles 29, it says, In the first year... In the first month of the first year that King Hezekiah reigned, he opened up the temple. Wow. That says uh, to us, what's the priority of Hezekiah? What's the top priority? Say would be the presence of God. He repaired the temple. He brought the gold. He, he even, uh, that, the time of Asa, his, his dad, all of the Levites, backslid, nobody served the Lord. No one. There was nobody burning incense, nobody serving the Lord. But in the days of Hezekiah, one person turned the nation around. And where did Hezekiah got the, that momentum, that blessing? According to David. You might say, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I, wasn't, I didn't have a godly heritage. But I want to inspire you. No matter what, there is a momentum even in this house for you to not start from zero. You can start where we are at right now. Influencing nations, transforming lives. Hallelujah. David died for hundreds of years already. And here comes Hezekiah. The first thing he did was to turn his heart towards David. 
He read the history of David. He even used the instruments that David built to worship the Lord. And as long as Hezekiah's heart was with the Lord pursuing, he prospered. Let me say this. Don't pursue prosperity. Pursue the presence. Prosperity is a byproduct. He prospered in all things. The guy even stood up against the king of Assyria, Hezekiah. He was fearless. Amazing. That guy, when he prayed, King Hezekiah, one time the king of Assyria, King Sennacherib, a new king, came, threatened Judah. Hezekiah prayed. He just wept to the Lord, cried out to the Lord. And the word of the Lord returned to Isaiah, and he prophesied over Hezekiah. And his, God said, I will defend this city. Sennacherib will go home, and he will never be able to invade Judah. You know what happened after that guy prayed? 185,000 soldiers died <laughs> because the angel of the Lord came and wipe away the army of Assyria. Well, I'm not suggesting we pray that way and say, God, kill them. No, I'm not suggesting that. We're in the New Testament, amen? amen? But what I'm suggesting here is this. Is it possible to recapture the heart of David? Is it possible to... Come into that place where the favor of God is upon you and your prayers will not be denied. Don't you know in the days of Hezekiah, there's a verse that says there, when the Levites prayed, their prayers went up to the dwelling place of God. Practically, it's open heaven. How many... Are we here? What if our hearts will be like David? What's the potential? Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can access that. Hezekiah had none to start with. But he turned his heart towards David. Read the history of David, his walk with God. Another point here I want to highlight, and we will, we will wrap this up. We have to. Okay. <laughs> Another point is this. Is it possible that our walk with God could influence generations after us? Is it possible? That our passion, our sacrifice will be a compass for the future generation when they feel lost. And so, this is the invitation. Could we burn for our God and for the sake of the next generation? We owe it to our sons and daughters. Because if not, 
It will not be from glory to glory. It will be from, from shame to shame, from sin to sin. But praise God, we're part of this family. You have this opportunity. We all have this opportunity to not start from zero, but ride the momentum of inheritance, of favor, of blessing, of lives that are transformed because of this. Those who have entered marriage and you, it seems like it's hard to keep your marriage together. Tap into the resources, the anointing in this house for marriage that will last forever. Uh, if you feel like you can't raise your son, your children, it's just too much. You're not alone. You're part of this house. And there's anointing in this house. There is a momentum moving yeah. forward. Connect your hearts. Connect your posture, your heart. Honor that. Honor what is in this house. Uh, Hezekiah honored David. He tapped into that. The covenant that God made to David spoke to him, spoke to God. You know, there's a prayer of Hezekiah. When Sennacherib was about to attack, that's, that's when he, he prayed. He cried out. And there is a verse that says, and God heard him because of David. Wow, it's not just Hezekiah prayed, but the life of David is still prophesying to God. Anyone who will align to this heart, God, you will never deny. So let's not wait for another year, two years from now to see revival. What if we begin to say... Revival is here. Right now, we have it. We have it in our DNA. We have it in, in our inheritance. That's what I've been telling our people. And they, they become scary group of people. They just go to the nations. How do you do that? I don't know. Just I go. And it's fun to see when we... You know, when we stop making excuses based on our broken past. Yeah. When, when we stop that lineage and instead connect our lineage to spiritual lineage of family, of history, of revival. We ride in that wave and we move forward for he is on the move. Amen. Yeah. Finally, Hezekiah was dying. He got this prophetic word, very short. Hezekiah, prepare your house. You will die. <laughs> How do you like to have a prophetic word like that <laughs> spoken to you? <laughs> and the Bible says he turned, he went to his room, cried on the wall. I don't know what's up with that wall. He cried. Isaiah, who gave out the prophetic word, he was, just, he was still walking up outside, you know, in the courts. He was still walking. God spoke to Isaiah, go back to Hezekiah, for I have heard him. Wow. Is there a place in which when we pray, heaven cannot deny our prayer? Is there a place? Wow. And are we willing?
to give it all. So that, that will be the most common thing for our sons and daughters in the future. That they wouldn't have to repeat our mistakes. That they will be riding in a godly momentum of breakthrough, of love, of righteousness, of joy, of peace. Fifteen years were added to Hezekiah. One of the greatest reformers in the Bible. Nothing to stand on but turn his heart aligned with David. God heard. One of the greatest revivals in history. Yeah. The kings. Can we see that? Is it possible to see it in our time? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> we are invited in this. Partnering with God. How do we do that? Posture our heart towards Him and say, God, more. More for our children. More for the next generation. More for the nations. More, God. Not just more blessings for me. We will be blessed, I tell you. That's not the question. The question is, what do we do with the blessing? Shall we all rise up and... And it's good to tap the shoulder of the person next to you if you're beside your husband or wife. Pray for the next generations, your, your children or children's children, that they will be reformers, that they will, their hearts will be aligned with God, and that they will, they will bring restoration to broken places. Come on. Uh, shout it out. Pray. Uh, can we pray Hezekiah prayers here? Come on. Loud and wild. <laughs> Woo, God, God, we cry out to you. We cry out to you. Send down your fire. Lord, in this room, prayers that are set on fire with pure passion, prayers that will shape lives, shape the future. Oh, give us hearts, Lord, like David. Who will live for the one thing? Who will live for your presence, God? Come on, let's just really.